Uh, welcome to CP time. Yes. Today is pretty darn exciting. We have a very special episode with a very special guest that we got to talk to. Um, we are super honored that Sharon Everson from the Post-Gazette stopped by to have a little chat with us about her amazing life. Her amazing career uh, that we're talking about the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, which is a newspaper here in town. And um, it's going to be fun. I think it's our best one yet. <laughs> totally. And it's also Sharon's birthday. She came by on her birthday. So So can we do it? Can we sing happy birthday? Sure. Happy birthday to you. What key are you in? What key are you in? Happy. Oh, see, here we go. Yes. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sharon. Happy birthday to Wow. That was high five. Thank you. Special intro for a very special guest. I think you're going to enjoy this. You know what? Um, it's just really great to, to know that we can meet up with people social distancing. I just want to let you know that we, we were far apart, so yes. it might be a little hard to hear yes. at times. We, we might have had some audio difficulties. We did this on our front lawn. Right. Um, there were people who were kind of blowing leaves and <laughs> mowing, mowing and but chopping the best. things. Lots of cars driving but by. But the best was the bird. Yeah, there was one bird that desperately wanted to be a part of the podcast. And he is. And so, now, or she is. Immortalized. So we hope you enjoyed as much as we did <coughs> just talking with Sharon. Yeah. Also, excuse me. Also, hopefully we'll have more guests uh, reach out to us we'll that want to we'll be part of our podcast. We're definitely going to have more guests. So. Enjoy. Enjoy. Sharon Everson. So we have a special guest popping in to say hi. Social distancing. We are sitting at least six feet apart, if not more. Um, <laughs> do you want to introduce yourself? Well, introducing myself to you. But to, uh, I am Sharon Everson. I'm the theater critic for the Post-Gazette. And uh, Chris and I kind of became friends working on a little thing that uh, we do together called Off the Record every year. Should it's I move an it closer? annual fundraiser. No? <laughs> Sorry. Fundraiser for the food bank and, and for... And for, for journalism scholarships. Yeah. So um, it's... It w this, we hope, I don't think so, though, will be... It would have been its 20th year. Maybe I was just going to ask you. Do you think yeah. we're going to do it? No. It's supposed to be October 3rd, I think. I don't want to make an announcement yet here, but it's something but we're discussing that, yeah, it's probably going to uh, move to next year. I was point. wondering if they were going to try to do something virtually. Th that's also, you know, a consideration. So the, yeah. the, there's an executive committee, and we're meeting soon to make these difficult decisions that everybody's making right now so. and we've been doing it 19 years and how, how many years have you done it all I've, all 19 no I, I I came on for it about 10 years ago and for seven years I did the programs um, I helped design them and, and put them in shape um, and I became a co-producer mostly helping Chris Rawson out um, <laughs> just take a little bit of the load off of him the past few years and what um how much money have we raised we're, for, do we know do you have like an idea yeah i'm mean, for the food bank it's closing in on seven hundred thousand dollars 
and it's been between $3,000 and $5,000 in scholarships every year, also for 20 years. So um, we also, SAG after used to take some of that money towards scholarships. They don't anymore. They didn't want to administer that. So it goes only to, um, to local seniors who are, or local college students, rather, who are on a, a journalism track. Oh, that's nice. Wow. So a little shout out to Off the Record. Yes. How many other cities do this? Are there a lot of cities that do this? I don't know of anyone. Uh, it, but the idea did come from Washington, D.C. They had something called the Gridiron um, shows. And I don't know if it was a collaboration of SAG-AFTRA and the Guild the way it is here. Um, Gary Rothstein, the former Post-Gazette writer, and Zan Kamen. Yeah. Um, mostly known um, for uh, as a mime, <laughs> as a movement coach, uh, and, and uh, he's been out in Hollywood, but he's from Pittsburgh. It was their their brainchild. Okay. Oh, okay. Because he was one of the first writers. One of the first years I did it, I went to um, his house because he lived in Mount. Is he? I don't know if he still lives in Mount Lebanon. He's been out. But Gary has written it on and off almost every year. Yeah. Uh, there were two. Um, other people from the Post-Gazette who took over for a couple of years. Bill and Dan, right? Yep. yep. Um, but anyway, it's like this really awesome, chaotic, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> stressful, but always fun experience. The, the idea is to parody the news and the newsmakers. Uh, and um, it's off the record for a reason. We get uh, down and dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it. I've gotten to play bass for it a handful uh -huh. of times. And I have a really awesome memory. My really great memory is one year when George Romero did it. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was one of the... That was my first year, I think. One of the rebuttals. Yeah. And she knew... Chris knew how much of a huge George Romero fan I was. And we ended up backstage. I'm not sure how it happened. I was backstage during... Who was the county controller that came out as Hannibal Lecter? Oh, God. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. I mean, I keep thinking Cyril... I, yeah, we, we parody Cyril all the time. Cyril was par always parody, yeah. but this guy, he was an older yeah. guy, white-haired guy. Tom. He was the county controller, and one year he had, he put on a Hannibal Lecter yeah. kind of mask, <sighs> and they wheeled him out. I remember and that. And the crowd went crazy. <laughs> and he was on stage, and I was standing backstage next to George Romero. Freaking out. Who had big furs on. Yeah. He had all these big furs on. <laughs> yeah. And Chris was just like, do it. Talk to him. Do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> so I went over to him, and I said, are you ever going to put out another zombie movie? And this is before he had started. He put out a few before he died. Yeah. He yeah. said, oh, yeah, we're working on one right now, and it's going to take place in Pittsburgh. And I was just freaking out. <laughs> I got all this information about the latest George Romero movie. It was one of the greatest moments I've ever had. He came back to Pittsburgh right before he died um, for uh, Steel Town. Um, uh, he knew a lot of people involved in that, and they gave him a special award. And Greg Nicotero, who yeah. is, you know, director of The Walking Dead, yes. he came, and Tom Savini, and it was this amazing reunion. Oh, and I, that's I, awesome. And that's when I got to meet him and hang out a little bit. Are you, do I, you like that kind of stuff? No, it's not my thing. <laughs> Me I mean, either. I appreciate, you know, the, the first one is one, flesh eating, just not my thing. I can't <laughs> deal. And watch it like this. But the brilliance of the idea <laughs> that zombies were one thing and then along came George Romero and then there were another thing yeah you know they were just these blank controlled creatures before but he he made it a social commentary he did all kinds of things that 
everyone has you know taken that nugget and, and run with it but it was him so yes I, I definitely recognize the brilliance even if it's not something I can deal with <laughs> yeah I can't he's he Paul loves Walking Dead zombie he loves not so much wa on Walking Dead kind of jumped the shark a few years ago yeah but ago. you were obsessed with I love scary I love horror movies mm -hmm. I grew up my mom would just take me to scary movies. Mm -hmm. And so I've always loved them from a young age. I love being scared. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, I, I, I was taken to musicals, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first musical, I, uh, I, I saw Fiddler on the Roof on Broadway twice. Those were my first two Broadway shows. I'm wow. from New York. I'm from, I'm from Brooklyn originally. And we saw a guy named Harry Gauze, who was a stand-in for Herschel Bernard, you went and saw. And then, and it was the album that they played all the time. Um, among others, uh, and I was—we were huge sports fans in my house. That was sports 24 hours a day, um, and uh, <laughs> um, and I got to live that dream before I got to come back to. Yeah, to you were you—you did, you did both for sports. I was. The Paul first, doesn't know this. I was the first woman in sports at the Post Gazette in 1980. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I came so. I was a hockey writer for a really long time. Um, wow. And I worked with a guy. His name is Stan Fischler. Stan uh -huh. just turned 87, but it, at 85, I guess he might, he was um, <coughs> mad, he he ended his career as a color commentator with Madison Square Garden Cable at the age of 85. Wow! And he was the <laughs> and he, um, so Stan was. Uh, um, the color commentator for the Islanders, but he was also when the sporting news was a thing. He was the hockey writer. He was the Maven was his thing, wow. and uh, he, he's written hundreds of books. And um, I, I did s seven or eight. I think it's seven, maybe eight, as his research editor, wow. right out of college. Huh. And we did all of the Islanders publications. Wow. And it was a time when newspapers and media were wanted to say they had a woman in sports. It was a very good time to be doing that. And a wonderful hockey writer, one of the, one of the great hockey writers of all time, Helene Elliott for the LA Times. She'd worked for Stan too back in the day. And the Post-Gazette called her because she was a name they knew and she recommended me. And that's how that's I so came awesome. to Pittsburgh. Wow. Isn't that awesome? That's remarkable. Yeah, so it was a, it was a really strange time. I'd, ne I'd only been to Pittsburgh once. <laughs> um, when I was 17 or 18 um, as a member of the New York Rangers fan club uh, and the Penguins also had a fan club then and we traveled it, it, the fan clubs traveled all <coughs> over the country with the teams yeah. so as a teenager I was traveling to Montreal Toronto I, I did all this traveling as a teenager as a member of the Rangers fan club God knows how my parents allowed it I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> um, you were a good kid wow. yeah I was <laughs> Um, but th the first time I came here was uh, in the 70s uh, to see a hockey game. And, and like I said, I, I was 22 when I came here in 1980. So now you all know how um, old I am. It's your uh, birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, That's and, amazing. And um, a lot of people uh, who are around in the 90s know that there used to be two newspapers, of which the Post-Gazette was a smaller one. The Pittsburgh mm -hmm. Press was mm -hmm. the big paper. Because my, I think I told you my... A very close friend of mine was the editor of John Trowin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
was, I don't know if he was the main editor or, or the press. city editor or, because C- Angus McCarron when I came was the main editor. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, the Teamsters struck the press, they owned the presses, <coughs> we were all put out of a job, and in 92, um, that happened, and my late husband, uh, Phil Axelrod, was a sports writer also, uh, uh, he covered college sports uh, for the Post-Gazette, and we were both out of a job with a baby. And uh, lo and behold, the paper that survived was the Post-Gazette because of the great Bill Block Sr. May he rest in peace. Um, and uh, he saved newspapers in Pittsburgh. Um, wow. He really did. And when we came back, all the jobs were up for grabs. And I had my eyes on Sunday Magazine editor. I had been in sports working nights. I had a new baby. I just wanted to try you know, to go back to my roots a little bit. And I, I did a lot of page design. Wow. So that was the thing. So came back uh, and became the assistant Sunday Magazine editor and helped out with a lot of other things. Became the Sunday Magazine editor and then the Arts and Entertainment editor for about six years. And then when Chris Rawson um, was taking a step back and things uh, were not what, how I wanted them to be, <laughs> there were a lot of leadership changes back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and. A, wonderful guy I worked for, Alan Walton, had moved to multimedia. I wanted to really learn this newfangled internet thing and what it meant for newspapers. Um, And that was when I started writing again, when I stepped down as arts and entertainment editor and started writing more again. And here we are. (laughs) That's amazing. amazing. I know. She's so smart. Really amazing. Mm, Great place to write. Have you ever seen The Wire? Of course, yeah. And the last season was all, um, and it's the same guy who did Spotlight, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, and Tom Treme. Yeah, yeah. How accurate was that fifth season? Um, as far as the Baltimore Sun? I don't think. Um, I mean, the dynamic in the. Yeah, I'd say the dynamic in the newsroom was closer, but, but the kind of thing that they showed has happened so rarely in our business. Uh-huh. I mean, you know. Um, the concept of fake news. So I don't even want to discuss it now. Almost, <laughs> no, you know, sure. you know uh, people making up stories yeah. um, and stuff. It, you know, uh, it's a big deal because it really it does happen so rarely. I mean, uh, it's such significant ones. You, they, know? Yeah. you didn't yeah. see this. We didn't get to watch The Wire together. I had to binge this on my own uh-huh. about a year and a half ago. Uh-huh. But the whole fifth season is about yeah. this new the Baltimore Sun, uh-huh. and it's like it's about fake news and like. Uh-huh. He was like ahead of his time, mm. yeah. Because it's so like everybody's now is like, you know, it's a big buzzword, right? Or whatever. Right. I can't think of her name, Jane something. There was a woman. There were actually two, but one woman she won a Pulitzer Prize and had to give it back um, wow. because she faked everything. And it oh was my gosh! A wow. story of this impoverished kid that she wow. made up, and uh, and a lot. Of, and there's also um, from New Republic, uh, Shattered Glass. Was it Stephen Glass? Yeah, he, he this kid who was like the hot writer in news, but he made most of his stuff up, they mm. found out. And they did great investigating to find out he had done that. They did wow. a great job, and they were so upfront about it. You know, really, uh, yeah, it's interesting uh, stuff. I, I, I've never known any of that to happen, <laughs> luckily, uh, yeah. at the places I've worked. But, um, and, and when we make mistakes, we own up to them, hopefully. Well, there's there's a guy at the Post Gazette that I've been fortunate enough to be tied to for many years, and that's Nate Guidry. Yeah. 
photographer. Uh-huh. And he, he's he's a jazz guy. Yeah, he's always been a really a good friend and sought me out when the kids were doing the Miles Davis thing yeah. that I put together. We did this Miles Davis album, and I brought in a professional. And he was basically responsible for my kids playing at the Home and Garden Show, oh, which they've nice. been doing now for 13 years, I think. Oh, he so was nice. the one that was, was responsible. He came to me. He said, why don't you get your kids to that's play? Great. And I said, okay. And he hooked it all up. He's been really tremendous. And the, the story, he did an article probably three weeks into the stay at home about jazz musicians yeah. and us being home. And he said, do you want to do it? I said, sure. And they came out. And took pictures of me playing bass on the lawn and everything and it was amazing I'm gonna get all these names wrong so you're gonna have to help me (laughs) but um, Nate came with me so I I was doing the story about August Wilson and the blues Mm -hmm. and because he never said he wrote about the blues he always said I am the blues that was his statement Mm -hmm. I wanted to you know really show that how integral it was in everything he did you know his language is musical but also yes. so um, uh, I was uh, Scott Mervis gave me some names and I found my way to Eugene Morgan and the night the night callers the night I can't think of their, his, the name of his group ah, I'm not sure to be uh, yeah. honest with you. But um, just straight blues. Yeah, he's yeah, and he's the son of a sharecropper who came um, north, and uh-huh. his job is he mixes dough for smiley cookies. Um, oh my gosh! Um, but we went out to his. Uh, Nate and I went out, and he played for us and told us the history of the blues from in his eyes, and it was the most amazing time. And I've never seen Nate so engaged. How was old was this person? He's, he's 70s, I guess, okay. early 70s. I mean, he's amazing. I yeah. mean, he's still, he's still, you know, uh, playing and, and out there. Yeah. So um, I don't know why it, it escapes me, but it was one of the best great projects. That was, I got in so much trouble with Netflix. So they were filming Ma Rainey's Black Bottom um, uh, on the north side yes. and work on the North Shore. And we would get word they're in this street, they're in that street. And we got word that they were filming a big scene um, by West Park. And, but they had been, fil- they had uh, totally transformed a street um, already where um, the Fleshlight Factory is, uh, the, the, this older street. And, and we knew that that street was filled with people. And I decided. I was going to approach that way, but everyone came around the other side of West Park. They they listened, and I didn't. You told me this story. Yeah. This is awesome story. <laughs> I walked right onto the set, and there were all these all the actors were there. Except Viola Davis was she was and, and Chadwick Boseman were too far away. But so they were with the second unit. Uh-huh. But George C. Wolfe was the director, a great Broadway director, yeah. um, and he was he's the director was just sitting on a stoop by himself. And I walked up to him and said, I'm not supposed to be here, I don't think. There was no security, no one was saying anything. <laughs> I said, I, I work for a newspaper, I'm doing the story in August Wilson the Blues. Can I ask you a question and take your picture? And he said, sure. Wow. That's so, amazing. I love the, so, <laughs> the moxie and how to do that. Well, but I, like, asked, I asked permission, and yeah. I have it on tape, that I asked permission, I just wanted to make sure. So it's in my story. And the folks from Netflix were livid. 
like because I had pictures of the set. I had pictures of, of the old time cars. Wow. And they had, t- and it was very obvious at that point. There's a, a in in Ma Rainey, there's a scene where they talk about her being stopped by a policeman, and there's a little uh, car accident, and the policeman brings her inside because the entire of Ma Rainey takes place in the studio. Mm-hmm. Right. But in the movie, they're obviously doing it outside. Mm-hmm. They're going to show the car. And mm-hmm. I wrote that. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know if they'll if I'll ever get. So when they called, they said, "Listen, you guys have filmed here so many times, and the Post Gazette local news never gets you guys first. Get, you know, it's like oh, the New York Times, whatever. When they filmed Fences here, yeah, yeah. Um, I spoke to a lot of people, but we never spoke to Denzel. Um, you know, he came and he, bless his heart, they did the premiere here. He spoke to people." from the community who all were invited to see it at yeah. Southside Works and that was just like a great night. Yeah. But he never sat down with pre- with local anybody local. But he did New York Times, he did Entertainment Weekly. And I said, if you guys are gonna do that, I'm gonna get anyway. I think people need to be reminded of that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't think I think there's like an element of not being disrespectful per se, but mm-hmm. just being like, well it, it probably doesn't matter to them. Yeah. It's probably not a big deal. It, it usually is they want to be in the Times first and Entertainment Weekly first. And so they can say first look and they have the most eyes on. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Um, but the people who did it absolutely right were um, The Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. Before they started filming, Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale held a press conference for the Pittsburgh press, only, the members of the Pittsburgh media only. Wow. That was very smart of them to do that. And I wasn't there. Barbara Bancheri, um, who um, was our movie editor, she went. Mm. And, and anything they said was embargoed, we kept embargoed. But that, that's, the, that's the classy thing to do. Yeah. We, we won't discuss Tom Cruise and Jack Reacher. That was a whole, <laughs> <laughs> that was a whole other story. <laughs> I have a funny Tom Cruise story mm-hmm. from that time. It really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I play at the Fairmont Hotel. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's at least there. Be- before the stay at home. I was yep. there very regularly. I was there, you know, four or five times a month sometimes. And uh, so all the big stars that come through, anytime somebody big comes through, yeah. we get to see them. Bruce Springsteen. Now you've told that to the world. Mike Tyson. Now, all the sports teams. Mm-hmm. You know, well, all the, the fans know this. Yeah. You know, the big hockey games, the, right. the fans are lined up. The baseball games, the fans mm-hmm. with their bats trying yeah. to get autographs. So you see all those people. So um, word was, and I, I didn't hear it directly, but oh yeah, he's Tom Cruise is living on a floor at the Fairmont while they're filming Jack Reacher. Mm-hmm. So I played there. We never got to see him, never got to see him. And then one night the lobby was packed. And so we play in the lobby and you can kind of see who's coming in the front door. And there's this kind of scuttlebutt at the front door. And they come in and it's, first of all, I see a guy who looks like he's four and a half feet tall. <laughs> and the first, the first thing in my, in my head is that can't be Tom Cruise. He can't be that short. He's a very short guy. So I see him and he laughs. He's laughing and somebody has their cell phone. And he goes to the elevator, and then about 30 seconds later, I see his wife. At the time. At the time. What is her name again? Katie Holmes. Katie yeah. Holmes, pushing a stroller. And Katie Holmes and I 
make eye contact. <laughs> he loves this. We make eye contact, and she looks at me like, help. <laughs> she looks miserable. Miserable. Like, please help me get out of this. And I, I'll never forget that. Just looking at her and her just screaming for help in her eyes. You, so the thing about Jack Reacher, and I understand a lot of the problems. I don't know if you remember. Um, it, be, it opens with a sniper. Yes. And there had been yeah the PNC sniper, Park thing. Yeah, and there had been sniper I- incidents, and that and it so it did not have the big premiere. There was, I don't remember what exactly that horror happened, but mm-hmm. um, so they held off on the premiere. They held off. Finally, there was going to be a, a premiere. Uh, at Southside Works, every state, every single um, theater in Southside Works was going to show Jack Reacher, and and uh, McGee, who was the director, and Tom Cruise were going to go from theater to theater to theater, and they they were going to come and walk a red carpet kind of a thing outside. It was absolutely freezing out. It was pro- it probably this probably all started around. 5.30 or so. We were told to line up at 5.30. David Whalen came by. He had a very small um, you know, um, two hours later he didn't come that way. He came in the back door. We had been standing in the cold for two hours asking, asking, asking. So, but he did come into each theater and talk. I have, oh, well, I, have nice. all, I have all those pictures, but wow. and, and I have that on tape. But yes, he is short. Um, <laughs> but I, I will just never forgive him for that two hours I stood out in the freezing cold. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. That's cool. Um, no, it was cold. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you guys doing? Who interviews you during this stuff? We interview yeah. each other. <laughs> we interview, interview each other. Yeah, right. We this like. Is true. We we just keep asking each other questions, but we haven't had any. I mean, other than my friend Meg, have we had any other people come visit during quarantine? Uh, I'm thinking. I can't. Uh, somebody from my school came to drop something oh, off. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. My boss, uh, Bernie Black. That was it. Who lives? He lives like a mile away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so we had a we, we were distant we were excited to see human beings again. Yeah. <laughs> But we just, we interview each other, and then, you know, we... She's very, um, she likes to spitball, you know? And there are times in the house... (laughs) There are times in the house she's just like, grab the recorder, and I'm like, why? (laughs) Just follow me. Like I'm making a crab cake. Just follow me. (laughs) Follow along. Yes. Yeah. No, but we thought it'd be fun because... Also, you have such a fascinating story, yeah, and I, it's I appreciate that you shared as much as you did because I think it's very girl power. It makes me like super excited to hear girl power stories. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're like we're hanging in there. Um, Has your so you obviously have a job that you can do from home? I mean, yeah. as opposed to people who you know have to stay at home. The, the Has that thing, been different for you, or the same, or the thing about my job is three to four nights a week, maybe even some weeks I was at a live performance yeah <laughs> um, I, I was excited to go see you or Chris or both of you you know yeah um, there's nothing now and um, so every time it reaches you know seven o'clock so yesterday 
my phone went off. It was supposed to be the Gene Kelly Awards. I had never taken it off my calendar, and I cried. Oh. Today was my closing. Mm. Today yeah. was my closing. For I was supposed to be playing. Park. I was yeah. supposed to be playing a man of no importance. Oh. And that was closing yeah. today. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, it just, yeah. So, it, it's very different. And a lot of what we're talking about now, and you'll see more stories coming up, is uh, funding and what's happening to artists like you. You know, who um, are, are out of work. And, uh, and what the next phase is for openings. The next big story you'll see, you heard it here first, is what's going to happen to the already announced schedule for the PNC Broadway series. Yeah. Um, remember, Broadway announced it was closing at least through September 6th. Right. But the first PNC Broadway show, Ain't Too Proud, was supposed to open August 25th. Oh, wow. Um, there's that. There's also, you know, Hades Town, which God, I hope Pittsburgh gets. Oh, to man. I want to see it so Funny bad. That coming. Yeah, it's on. Oh, it's man. on series, but they're it, they it, closed. Well, no, no, it's it's not like that. They haven't even started their tour yet, so oh. they they've never even, as oh. far as we know. I mean, it's cast, I assume, but they've never even rehearsed. Wow. And wow. Hades Town is the most. Um, like Hamil Hamilton had, you know, um, uh, it was it was uh, double um, rings, but um, uh, turntables. Hades Town has turntable and a cylinder that goes up and down. You, um, um, Ava Noble's Ava told a great story, <laughs> a scary story about. So it's this cone-shaped thing that goes up and down. They go to hell and they come up. Um, where she got stuck at, at its height and it stuck in place, and she had to climb down which is hilarious in a way, but scary. So those are things they have to build into every stage. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is like a really difficult show to build in. And um, so it, they haven't even begun rehearsals. So I have no idea what that will mean for that show. And who knows, can, can you charge the kind of money for a ticket that a tour like that you know, not all tours are created equal. That's going to be a real difficult one to bring from town to town. But at least it's not an 18-wheelers eight, 18 like the Lion King. I don't yeah. know how the, you know, they'll ever be able to charge the kind of t money that will make that worth people's while. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, Hades Town has a very, you would love the musicians are on stage. And, mm -hmm. and she calls out, uh, listen to the album, she calls out all the musicians, um, Great Amber Gray, who plays Persephone, she calls out every musician, which is really nice. Oh, it's, that's a, cool. it's, it's a big part of the, the show. So um, we haven't been to New York in so long. We have friends. I'm sure you know uh, Howard Elson. Of course, yeah. Who is can an I, investor? While you're yeah. talking, can, can, I, can I go to the there. bathroom while you're talking? Sure, honey. <laughs> don't say anything interesting while I'm gone. <laughs> you don't have to do this before. Well. Um, can you tell me what time it is, please? Um. Oh, I can, let me. Oh wait, here's her phone. Okay, I've got 432. a little while longer. Oh, I have a little while longer, so. Sorry, I, you'll have to edit. Um. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's um. totally fine. Um. Yeah, I've heard nothing but amazing things about yeah. Hadestown, and I really want to see, um, who is the actor? 
who was the Wiz? Oh, Andre uh, the Shields. Well, I mean, he, I don't know if he's going to do the tour. Yeah, no, he, he wouldn't. So I've seen it twice because he wasn't there the first time I went. I was yeah. horrified. So yeah. I was there for a conference and he wasn't there. So I went back to see, just to see him. Yeah. And it's the difference. The guy who played it, his understudy, is a wonderful Broadway actor. I'm not going to say his name. Uh-huh. You know, with a great voice. Uh-huh. But there's a special sauce that certain actors bring to things, uh, personality, uh, their own take on things that is so personal to them. That, totally. That, you know, so... And he originated that role. He did. Um, uh, Anais Mitchell was here very quietly uh, last year, just do, doing a gig at Club Cafe. Mm-hmm. And um, this was an album she did a long time ago mm-hmm. based on, on the... Uh, uh, the myth and um, yeah, uh, and Patrick Page, who was amazing as Hades, has that baritone you know mm-hmm. down here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he was our Scrooge, wow. um, not that long ago in a Christmas Carol. Wow, so, uh, Patrick Page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we got to see um, mm-hmm. the producers <coughs> when uh. it was hot, mm-hmm. and uh, it was mostly because Chris had a really good friend who was swing on that show. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable friend Adrian who was amazing mm-hmm. and she got us in and we didn't know until we got there that Nathan Lane wasn't doing the show that night but so it, you know what it was kind of no it was kind of uh it was good I, but I know that it would have been if you oh, would have been there I still thought it was like pee your pants one of the funniest no, it was incredible yeah. it was incredible and I had never at that point I'm Mr. Jazz and we yeah. were just <laughs> we were just what was this oh three oh four or something like that yeah. We just really had been together for a few years, and I'd never seen a Broadway show, so we went to oh, Broadway wait, wait, to see the biggest show on Broadway. <laughs> okay, let's like, talk about let's talk about one of the best theater experiences I took you to in London. Oh my God! Yeah, hands down. What was it? She took me to see the play Shakespeare in Love, on the which the public is doing. Right, I know. Isn't it amazing? I saw it in London also. Yes. Unbelievable. So much more romantic than the movie, oh. in a way. You know, just being there, and for, uh, and it was a beautiful production. We had and to the way they out. present the Queen yeah. <laughs> is so clever. We had to fill out the music, the musicians kind of coming up. And mm-hmm. We had to fill out an audition form for the public. <laughs> Which is unusual. They wanted to know what roles you're interested in. So I went online because I was having like a brain fart about the women. Because it's a male heavy show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and one, of the, one of the roles is wench one, wench two. <laughs> so I wrote on the form, I wrote some characters and I wrote, and obviously wench one or wench two. <laughs> the show was so, mm-hmm. I mean, I had my mouth open the whole time. I was so swept up into it. Like, mm-hmm. we were bo- at intermission. The lights came up, and you were... But the whole thing there was <coughs> so different, too. Oh, yeah. Like did you we, have ice cream at intermission? We didn't, but um, <laughs> I, I, in hindsight, I wish I would have had it. Yeah, that, that's like a thing that's in every a, show. Yeah. so cool. And I have... So... so the first time I went, I didn't realize you paid for your program if yeah. you wanted it. And, and it's expensive. And they're all different sizes. They're expensive. Yeah. And they're all different sizes and stuff. I'm so glad I have so many of them. <laughs> um, I, uh, I've been a few times on Chris's trips and a couple times on my own. Um, in, in 86, uh, that was 88, I went with um, my husband and we went to um, 
we saw a bunch of shows, and then we went to Stratford-on-Avon. I saw Merchant of Venice in Stratford-on-Avon, which was like really amazing, you know. Um, and uh, that was my first taste of London theater. But I, I hadn't gone to. I don't think I went to the National Theater on that trip. It was later that I, you know. I've never to... been. I've never been to the National. Uh-huh. I've been to the the Globe. I've uh-huh. been to the Barbican. I've been to all, but I've never yeah. been to the National. Yeah, and and you know everybody's having trouble there. It's really weird. They have a national theater. I mean, but their arts uh, funding is very different than ours. And uh, Johnson has been talking about just eliminating it all. The Globe is in really good trouble. I know. I saw that. Yeah, just terrible. I wonder what Mark <coughs> Rylance would have done if he were there now. He'd be screaming, hollering at somebody. <laughs> um, yeah. It that for me, seeing <coughs> seeing Macbeth at the Globe. Mm-hmm was one of the most I mean you know it was like three hours and it yeah. felt like a minute yeah really profound I right? mean just I was I was so swept up in it and it, the night I went was the night they filmed it for no oh, very so who was your Macbeth oh my god sorry I asked <laughs> striking big tall gorgeous dark so it's interesting you say uh, that because I saw Macbeth in London the last time I was there. No, 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 a couple <coughs> times ago. So it was James McAvoy, and it was a real um, dystopian oh, no. thing. And wow. it was done in this, uh, it wasn't in the round, but sort of. They were, the, the audience was on either side of it, and the people were in gas, ma- gas masks coming up from sewers it was really bizarre and interesting i saw him do the ruling class as well but um this week and next week a bunch of stars like james mcavoy and julia roberts are giving over their twitter accounts to people like dr fauci and some of the top um uh, medical people who uh maybe people won't get to see what they really have to say so they're giving over their twitter accounts to their followers and James McAvoy I was one. I have goosebumps. Yeah. Have James McAvoy was one of them, and that was like, oh, yay. Because <laughs> I, I will say that people don't, so I'm one of these people since college. I waited theater doors. If I wanted, if I want to sign something signed and I want to meet someone, I do it. I always have. Yeah. And, and he was such a doll, and there was nobody there, like a handful of people. It's not like Broadway at all, which I found also. So. People, they're so unassuming, though. Yeah. That's like part of it, is there, I think people. I think the English are just a little more mm-hmm. just cool in general. <laughs> They're just cool about everything. You know, they have a system where, which has its, it's a pretty elitist, but people like him, he, he, because he's from Scotland, it was a little different. But for certain of these actors, the well-known actors like Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, Damian Lewis, they come up through a system. From, from a really early age, and boy, do they, you know, and it's all theater, theater, theater. You don't get near a movie set. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, <coughs> maybe it's TV, but you don't get near a movie set there until you're, you know, um, you, you've done um, your, uh, your stage work. So. Yeah, yeah, we just watched the CBS Sunday morning thing on uh, Patrick Stewart. Yeah, right. That's fun. And he was totally. With hair and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, he said that it was so much so when he got the next generation, mm-hmm. the Star Trek series. Yeah. Um, he was like he would be yelling at the other actors. Oh, that was like they so would, funny. They would like mess up a take, and, he's and he like, would be Stop. like, "We are 
not here to play. We're not here for fun. We're not here for fun. We're not here for fun. He was yelling at the other actors because he was this trained mm -hmm. theater, you know. But the funny thing is he admitted how ridiculous, yeah. like... Yeah, he had to loosen up, he said. Yeah, yeah. he had a good group, I think, to loosen up with. Um, I loved uh, his bromance with Ian McKellen. I, I oh, God, that was oh. so great. They're, 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 they're adorable. Please. You know, you know some people get older, you call, the, you call them adorable. I don't know if you've you, ever seen pictures of Ian McKellen. Have you been to Comic-Con? I feel like you and your son have gone. We just, yesterday, watched this amazing documentary about it. What was it well, called? Well, you didn't really... No, no, what was the I documentary? I can't remember. It's a, it's, a Morgan, it's a Morgan Spurlock movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was and, amazing. And yeah. she didn't... I've known about Comic-Con because no, I, mean, I, I, I love comics and, like, I mean, I'd go to, you know, comicbook.com. Wait, can I ask her? Wait, can no, I... I'm ahead. sorry. Sure, sure, sure. So he was saying that tickets to Comic-Con are, like, the hardest thing to get. So I want to ask you, how did you get them? Or did when you... is press? Oh, okay. Now. Because he was... he. I said, I would go with you to Comic-Con. He's like, you can't get tickets to Comic-Con. So... so <laughs> um, I became the coolest mother ever. So my oh, son, my son who's 28, um, was 15 at the time. Uh -huh. Oh my God! And I, I don't remember. There were, there's always something Pittsburgh related, but there was something, and I was looking at it and saying, you know, I've always wanted to go. I think I could go as press. Um, would you like to go to? I didn't, couldn't get the words out. He said, Yeah, of course. Oh. Um, and I said, I think. I, I can get you in as press as well. You're going to be my gaming expert. Oh, how cute. Because, and the, the, I knew some of the people out there, and they were like, oh, mother, son, we love it. Sure, come on. You know, but, of course, I had to pay. At the time, the Post-Gazette paid for some of, because I did, like, 100 stories. You know, I did all these stories. But, um, uh, so we did one thing wrong, and it's my biggest regret. Because even though I was a member of the press, it's really lowly member of the press. So what I didn't get to go in with, you know, Entertainment Weekly and all these other people. I had to wait with other people. I had, um, unless it was for, so roundtables are um, like Avatar and um, Iron Man 2. Those are, those are roundtables. So it's a room with a bunch of roundtables. And the press is sitting there, and there are open tables, and there are open chairs. And then, like, Robert Downey will come in and, and move from table to table, 15 minutes each, that kind of thing. Was your son with you? He was there, and Scarlett Johansson sat next to him. I'm and, dying. And, I'm dying right now. And that was it. So was he. So, but he was not allowed to say anything. I mean, he was there totally, like, it was a big deal that they let him come and sit. Right. You know, whatever. Wow. Um, but what was really interesting was the foreign press. They were the worst. Um, I shouldn't say that. They didn't care. They're handing her things to sign. Oh, no. <laughs> no, bad taste, bad taste. No, and it never, but I will say this guy from Spain, he said, this young man, what's my son, he's a big fan. You should sign something for him. So she signed his, um, his Comic-Con um, badge. Yeah. Which is like in a place of honor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite story from Comic Con is Matt uh, Groening, who um, does The Simpsons. Simpsons yeah, yeah, sure. <coughs> he was doing some panels, and um, I don't know why we were on the floor. And you've seen what that looks like. But well, I, I, just yeah. to, not to interrupt, but I, I mean, I knew it was huge, but until I watched this documentary, I really had no, f I, I didn't. 150,000 people in San Diego in one area. Yeah, and I, yeah. I'll ask you the question yeah, later, so, but so go ahead. So, 
it wasn't that crowded in the section we were, and I see Macaroni going towards the door, and I, and jo I said, and Josh loved The Simpsons. I said, that's Macaroni. He goes, oh, and he had a pad with him. He said he was going to go and ask him for an autograph. So he went up to him, and someone like went to swat him away. <coughs> oh my gosh! And Matt, I'm going to call him Matt, said, don't you ever do that. Took Josh's pad, drew a picture of oh Bard, and signed it. No. And this is also hanging in a place. Oh my um, God, goosebumps! Yeah, right. Look, look at my goosebumps! Look at my goosebumps! <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that that was. That's worth a gazillion dollars. Yeah. Now. But the one thing we missed, the thing we missed, it was the first year. We didn't know that we needed to get up at like four in the morning to get in line for five hours to get into Hall H. That's the place to be where everything happens, and you can stay there for twenty four hours or not. I mean, there are reasons I didn't because I was. This is what I want to ask you about. So this is but, a good segue. But the thing that I missed and didn't know it was happening was Leonard Nimoy handing off Mr. Spock to Zachary Quinto. Speaking of Green Tree. Oh my god. Wow. I missed it. It was we didn't get in in time for that. Okay, this is this is wow. exactly what I wanted Lines. to ask. You better be willing. See, I <laughs> after watching the documentary I said upon like Paul was like, it's so expensive to go, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I was like, well, I'd go with you. It's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And then after watching it, I was like, is it really enjoyable? And be honest. Because I, I it was, looked like Calcutta. Every year, we would, you know, come home and tell everybody all the, all the stories I've been telling. These great stories, these wonderful things. And forget the hours and hours we spend. It's, it's amazing how that would fall away okay and you'd all remember right. all the wonderful things um you know and and the great people you met and uh but i went my experience was different i really was a member of the press i was interviewing people i had a different schedule having my son who um decided he was going to make sure we got to everything we needed to get to he created <laughs> grids and times and i will say that as you know the mother of a teenage son once we were inside i was never afraid for him to go off and do something himself oh, that's mm -hmm. nice. but um i'll leave you with the first story he ever wrote was that year on the cover of madden the you know the game mm -hmm. um it was troy palomalu facing off against larry fitzgerald who went to pit yes um and josh got to preview it and he wrote his first story for the Post-Gazette. My husband's dying right at now. Age, at age 15. I have goosebumps under my pants right now. So <laughs> today in the Post-Gazette, on, um, on, on the Sunday Magazine page, our bylines are side by side for the first time. He did a story on a trivia night, and I did the story on Carol Makula, which is an amazing story. It is. That's yeah. amazing. Amazing. Um, I have goosebumps. Wait. <laughs> yeah. First of all, we, we didn't ask you to pop over here to take <laughs> advantage of you. <laughs> Because I truly think you're an amazing human, and I wanted to celebrate you. But I won't lie and say that this has been the best podcast. Oh, we've totally, done. hands down. Hands down. Hands you down. are way more interesting than our mundane yes. lives. No, for sure. No, no. Okay, and no, I no. give you so yes. much gratitude for even putting up with all these questions because no, you're amazing. Great. Hey, also, I got to talk about myself. Oh, so it's your birthday. <laughs> no, so. Yes. Happy birthday, Sharon. Thank Happy you, birthday. Thank you for having me. It's beautiful here. This I wish, was lovely. I wish we could invite you in. I mean, we could, but we're trying to be good. Another time we will. We always end it with closer. a kiss, mm -hmm. so we'll blow you a kiss. 